Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is Wednesday, February 12th, 2020. The title of tonight's sermon is Divisions Not Divided. Divisions Not Divided. Uh, I just want to let you know, uh, and I appreciate the, uh, the love that was just shared at the beginning. I just want to let you know that uh, sometimes I tell you how much I love you. Sometimes I'm just going to say like tonight, it's time to fight. Amen. That what you heard tonight, there are people who have sicknesses in their body. They have people who are fighting for pregnancies. They have people who are rightly fighting for their families. And this is one of those kind of nights that the Lord has already prepared something for us. He's already rightly prepared something for us. I I feel a little weird being up here by myself. Uh, We're getting used to teaching in teams because that's what the word clearly instructs us to do. And we're so happy to do it. But tonight I got something for you. For those in ministry training class, I want you to know that, uh, that this message tonight is derived from my personal studies. This week, actually, a lot of it was from yesterday, and my engagement with you here in this room. I want everybody to turn to Exodus chapter 6 as we get going here. I thought Peyton and the worship team did such an incredible job. I am ready to fight. I am ready to fight and win here in this place tonight. Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 26. It says this. It was this same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the same Moses and Aaron. It's an incredible thing here that we see in verse 26. Bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. Come on, bring them out. Yeah, another way some of your translations may say, bring them out by their armies by their divisions, by their armies. But wait a minute, I thought these were the slaves that were coming out of uh, out of Egypt. See, they had been tucked away for a long time inside of Egypt. And God's saying, bring them out by their army, their military divisions. You bring them out exactly the way that I intend for you to. Come on now, that's an interesting way to do this. They're slaves. No, 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 bring them out by their divisions. These are the people that are going to be grumbling and complaining in just a few days, just a few moments from this. See, but earlier in this same chapter, God had said, I'm going to tell you my name. I'm going to let you know that I am Yahweh, Yehovah. I'm going to tell you who I am, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you out. Somebody say, bring you out. Then he says, I'm going to free you. Somebody say, free you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to take you to be my own. See, the word here for divisions is a Hebrew word called sava. Sava. Look, now, we need to understand that as God is bringing us out, he intends to bring us out tonight in divisions. There are, there's a specific placement that God has for each of us. Everybody turn to 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18, and we're going to look at verse 1. This is where we begin, we began our Monday foundation, foundations lesson. I'll get it, I'll get it right in a second, I promise. Judah and Justin Treister began here on Monday night. David mustered the men who were with him and appointed over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. David sent the troops out, a third under the command of Joab, a third under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruah, and a third under Ittai the Gittite. See, what we learn there is there's, there's a specific way that God intends for us to go out. He intends for us to assemble. He intends for us to move. He intends for us to progress into what he has for us. In this case, there were commanders of men. 
some over a thousand, some over hundreds. And even the armies themselves were divided into thirds. Well, why is that? It's because David understood and could look into the heavens and see that there was a divine order. There was a divine process that God had. See, what I want to encourage you tonight, let me just let the cat out of the bag. Let me let you know where we're going. We're talking about a God who has a divine order. And as you operate in that, you get the forces of heaven that begin to multiply your efforts. You begin to march in step with the drumbeats of heaven. And you begin to move forward and be victorious in what God has for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33 says this. It said, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, of shalom, of right order. Of a perfect heavenly order. Come on, how good are you doing right now? Come on, think about it. Let's start beginning this process of evaluating our hearts according to what the Lord is saying. How good are you doing right now in marching in shalom with what God has? How are you doing in marching with the regiment? Marching with the troops? See, this is talking about having our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions be of the heavens. Somebody say, of the heavens. See, our entire time, these last six weeks or so of elevating our priesthood has been about getting us in right order. We're going to start with our own hearts. We're going to start with tilling the soil and working the soil of our own hearts, cultivating that soil, getting out the rocks, eliminating the weeds, getting our soil in the right kind of stature. Then we work in our families. We begin to lead our families. We begin to follow in our families much better. And then we move to the entire church as well. This is what we've been covering for weeks now, church. Is God getting us into our divisions? Somebody say divisions. See, this is what God is moving with us and within us tonight. Exodus chapter 18. Everybody turn there with me. I'm going to kind of move through these quickly. If you can catch up, if you can keep up, that's fantastic. If not, we're going to keep moving because they'll be on the screen. Exodus 18 and verse 21. It says, but select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God. Trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. And appoint them. Somebody say appoint them. As officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Did you hear the qualifications for all of these leaders? There had to be men who first feared the Lord. They had to be capable men, trustworthy men. They had to hate dishonest gain. And then what happened? God put them in divisions over a thousand, hundreds, fifties, and tens. I had to learn this from, from, a, from a brother who was studying with me. What are, what are the classifications and the orders in an army? A division. That's the biggest one. A regiment. A battalion. A company a platoon, a squad. See, even our military is organized in the same kind of fashion. There are some who are designed to lead thousands, some hundreds, some fifties, and some ten. What if your assignment is the ten? See, y'all know the right answer. The commanders of the tens. See, the way that we look at this is that the more that you have under your command, the better, the more elevated you are. I mean, but, but I know that the Lord only assigned me to lead over tens, but, but I think I can handle fifties. Uh, the Lord only assigned me fifties, but I think I can handle hundreds now because I'm growing. I'm a big boy now. Look what I can do. <laughs> Pastor, I'm just as trustworthy as the next guy. What if it's the opposite? 
See, you don't think about that, do you? Because we're Americans and Texans, and so more is clearly better. If a little bit is good, then more is clearly better in the way that we think. What if it has nothing to do, because all of these men were capable. All of these men feared the Lord. All of these men were trustworthy. All of them hated this honest game. What if it was more about the Lord placing the right people in the right places? What if it was the ten that were the special forces? How do you feel about that now? Oh, well, that I'll like. What if it's the ten that are in your family and your household? See, what we have to do is just understand that God places us in divisions. He sets us. We're not talking about being divided. We're talking about him setting us in divisions so that we can rightly operate. We can rightly understand our placement. Now, let's not make this generic. Let's not just make it about your placement only. See, because you can all, you're already agreeing, you're sweet people, you're nodding, you're agreeing with me. Praise God. Pastor, I'm going to be happy with my little 10. No, what you need to do is you need to understand that God has a purpose and a place for you in this room. There are far too many of us that can understand this with our mind, but in the actual reality of life, when we're walking around in this place, you demote yourself. You don't understand what you're called to do and how much this body, this part of the army needs you. You don't understand how much this division needs you to stand up and occupy your place with full heart, with full confidence, with full strength, and you go forward and do exactly what he's called you to do. If you're the commander of 10, you don't need to bump over and and get offended in your heart about the guy who's leading 50. See, you cannot waste your time like that because it is God who says all of these men of capable nature, all of these men are fearing the Lord, all of these men are trustworthy, they have an assignment that they were given. When you don't understand this rightly, you start uh, warring between two opinions. Remember Elijah? He's going against the, the prophets of Baal and the other prophets that are there. And he's talking to the people and saying, why are you wavering between two opinions? What does it sound like to waver between two opinions in our heart? I'm here, but I'm really thinking about being somewhere else. I'm wanting to be here. I'm okay being here, but I want a different assignment. I want a different level. I want a different position. I want to have a different appointment than what you actually have. You know what this causes us to do? This causes us to be sympathetic to the wrong voices. Somebody say sympathetic. Sympathetic. Oh, pastor, but that's not me. I mean, I'm happy where I am. I mean, where else can I go? You have the words of life, Lord. But while you're here, what happens is you start being sympathetic to all the wrong things. Pastor, I gave good advice, but you are sympathetic to the wrong things within your heart. Why? Because you're not actually understanding that God placed you in a division that you are supposed to walk in. It's almost like if we could understand that our boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places, we might start doing better. See, if we're going to fight, if we're going to fight the enemy the way we should, you got to understand your positioning. 
You've got to understand your place. You've got to understand that you are as important as the next guy. You've both got the same qualifications. We just need you to hold this spot. And it's not just us. It's not like it's your pastors assigning this to you. So you can, re- you can rebut this. You can refute this. The problem is, is that it's God himself who's assigning this to you. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. While you're, go- while you're turning to 1 Corinthians 12, think about in Mark 6. When Jesus is feeding the 5,000, he says, sit them down in groups. So they sat them down in groups of hundreds and fifties. It is God's plan to have a certain methodology to what's going on. He could do it any way that he wants. But what he does is he starts putting you in groups. He starts putting you into divisions. He starts putting you in the regimen rightly so that you can operate the way he intends for you to. Think about Revelation 19, the armies of heaven that were following him. It's because that's what armies do. Church, can I encourage you tonight for a second? We all know conceptually that we are at war. No one in this room would disagree that we are in a spiritual battle. And yet, every day, you know what you and I forget? That we're in a spiritual battle. We're surprised when we get punched in the face by the enemy. We're surprised when they're lobbing in some type of warfare that comes against us. We're like, oh no, what is this? No, you're in a battle. And what if you're not rightly understanding your position in the division, then what you want to do is just run as if you don't have a responsibility to those around you. You know why they take so long in boot camp to train you the way that they do? It's because when it actually counts, they need you to stay in your place and do your job. Because if you don't, other people will die. They don't need you questioning. I, I don't understand this, Commander. Yeah, that is a ridiculous thought. Why do they yell at you and do what they do in a boot camp? Because you've got to learn what you need to learn. You have got to get ready because out there on the field, you may it may look harsh to those of us who are city slickers. It may look harsh to the civilians, but if you've ever been in the military, then you understand it is necessary for you to win. It is necessary for you to live. So when you're in a boot camp here at LCM, why are you guys so militant? Because it's a war. It is a battle. I have forces from without, I have forces from within, and I'm going to be victorious because I'm not going to forget that this is a war. I'm not going to run. I'm a shepherd. I lay down my life for the people. If I run, it shows that I was a hired hand. I know my place here. I will lay my life down. You're going to have to join me in that process, though. That's not a singular call. That's part of the division that you've been called to. Come on now, this could be a special forces room right here. But you think it's easier on the special forces? You think they have less training? You think they don't go through more and put me in more rigor and do it, do what they do in a more intense level every day? They're ready for the battle. You know why? It's easier than their everyday life. They're like, oh man, this is easy compared to what I've been doing. Are you kidding me? Somebody who's coming against me and talking bad about me? (laughs) I'm just going to laugh at you. See, we can start laughing at the enemy because of what we are understanding about the Lord putting us in divisions. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. 
Say the next four words with me. Every one of them. Just as he wanted them to be. If God, in fact, has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, that leaves no one out. Say this with me. Say, I am am. one of the every one of them. (laughs) You are part of this, and it's just as he wanted it to be. My God, if we could just enjoy this a little bit tonight, if we can just appreciate this a little bit tonight, we're not fighting for a position anymore. I'm not fighting for you to see me in a different way. You know why? Because I understand that he placed me here. No man put me here and no man can take me away. And it's just the way he wanted it. It is a perfect arrangement. He has an eye for this kind of thing. What he did was he built it. He made it. And he said, I need Mario and Alicia to be right here. I've assigned them part of this division and they need to do this right here at LCM. And if they're looking for some other place, if they're running around what they're going to miss, they're going to miss it and we're going to miss it. Knowing your function, knowing your calling, knowing the king's desire is the beginning of you completing your mission. If we were all one part, where would the body be? See, you know these scriptures... I want to share with you tonight that this is the Lord reminding us of this. He's calling. He's saying, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There can't be grumbling in the tent. You know why? Because he put you in the tent that you're in. There can't be grumbling on the inside of us. Why? Because he has got you here and he put you here just as he wanted you to be. Exactly in the right place. We have to have an orderly rank and file. You have to know your place within the body. And I don't mean conceptually, church. I mean functionally. What is your place within this body functionally? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think we need to start learning these things. I think we need to start rising up and saying, hey, I'm happy to do this. I'm happy to serve in this way. I'm happy to contribute this way. I'm happy to do this. Look at me. I, I want to be right here in this place. Don't move me anywhere else because God put me here. I'm not going to fight. I don't have to fight for another position because God put me here. I want a full victory in our lives. We're going to follow this right path. Amen. Turn to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 40. Exodus 12 and verse 40. It says, now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, somebody say to the day. It's almost like he's, God has got this planned out. Listen to this. All the Lord's divisions left Egypt. I thought that they were Israelite divisions. Yep. But see, when the commander has put you in your division, you know what you are? You're part of the Lord's division. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. Wait, what? The Lord kept vigil. The Lord was paying attention to their, to their problems. The Lord heard their cries for mercy. The Lord heard what was going on and he kept a vigil. How does the Lord keep a vigil? I'm not quite sure, but I like the idea. The Lord lost sleep. <laughs> he is watching. He was saying, these are my divisions. They're, they're mine. This group of people that is sitting right around you, they belong to the Lord. And he's saying, I pay attention to what's going on in their lives. 
when you're going through a struggle, it's not like God is far from you. He's keeping a vigil to watch over you, to strengthen you, to help you. The Lord is keeping a vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Yeah, you should. If your commander thought it valuable to keep vigil, you probably ought to do the same. Look at Joshua chapter 11 and verse 23. So Joshua took the entire land. Just as the Lord had directed to Moses and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. See, not only did God call them out of Egypt according to their divisions, but he then assigned their inheritance based on their divisions. See, an inheritance is related to you walking rightly in the division, the regiment, the battalion, the company, the platoon, the squad that God has assigned you to. See, you've got to answer rightly to your commanding officer so you're in the right position to not only come out of the slavery, but to be able to enter into the promise. Church, if you're going to receive the inheritance that is assigned to you, you've got to be in the right place. You've got to be in the right function. You've got to be walking in exactly what God called you to walk in. (laughs) You can't be having a civil war. Not only against your brothers, not only husband against wife, not only wife against husband, but within yourself. See, you got to get in the right mind. You got to have an understanding that is based in the word here. You've got to have the mind of Christ operating within you. Somebody say mind of Christ. You have to be walking in the mind of Christ that allows you to understand your position, to walk in it rightly. 1 Corinthians 2 teaches us that you have the mind of Christ. You don't have to go try to find it. You just need to operate in it. When you are in the mind of Christ, you are in your right mind. So the inverse of that is also true. When you are not in the mind of Christ, you are out of your mind. Anybody in this church been out of your mind lately? The kind of out of our mind that we need to get is out of our mind and into the mind of Christ. See, because we are absolutely crazy when we're not in the mind of Christ. Every last one of us. The longer we stay there, the more crazy we get. I love my friend, Pastor Matt. He says that sin makes you stupid. It gets you right out of the mind of Christ and you get crazy. You're stupid. You're crazy. Uh, Me too. We're all doing this. See, you've got to get into the mind of Christ and God is helping us to do this. He is helping us. Let's turn to second Chronicles. We're going to spend some time in second Chronicles here. Because this is where my studies led me. So I'm just sharing with you what the Lord is doing in my heart. Second Chronicles chapter 29. And we're going to look at verse 5. This is Hezekiah. And he's saying, listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves now. 
and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Let me give you a little backdrop on this. Hezekiah is 25 years old when he begins to rule. What he does on the very first month of his very, of his very first year in his kingship is he begins to put things in right order. He begins to put things in shalom. And where he starts with is the very presence and the very temple of God. See, God is a God of order and Hezekiah understands this. He immediately begins to put the temple back in order because the people had let it fall into disarray. More specifically, the priests had let it fall into disarray. His own father was a contributor to that. See, Hezekiah is in his right mind because he's in the mind of Christ here. So you got to consecrate yourselves. You got to get clean. You got to confess and circumcise those things away from your heart so that you can walk in the crown of victory that God has. Then they begin to consecrate the temple, God's dwelling. Church, where we started this process just a few weeks ago was that we have to have a reverence for the name of the Lord. We have to revere him above all else. We have to revere his word above all else. We have to revere his name above all else. And this is where Hezekiah begins. Look at verse 6. Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil things in the eyes of the Lord and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They put out the lamps of God's presence. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you now see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Man, this sounds like an important confession here that you're hearing from Hezekiah as the king. He's saying, man, we have messed some things up. We want to get this right, and I want to make it public. As the king, I'm letting everyone know that we have messed it up in this way so that we can have our hearts circumcised and get on that pathway. Look at verse 10. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, LCM, do not be negligent now. Out of all times not to lose heart, out of all times not to start giving up on things, don't be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you. Come on now. The Lord has, isn't this been the word of the Lord to us as a church? He's chosen you. He's going to help you to elevate. He's going to help you to get this right. Now is not the time to be negligent. Now is not the time to flesh out. Now is not the time for you to relax. Now is not the time for you to pull back. Now is not the time for you to fight your place in the divisions of the armies of the Lord. You cannot be out of your mind right now. The Lord has chosen you to stand before him. To serve him. To minister before him. To burn incense. He has chosen you because he's got a purpose for you. He's got something that he wants to pull out of us. He's been working on us for a while now. And he's saying it again. Now is not the time to be negligent. Because you're chosen. Somebody say we are chosen. Look at verse 18. Same chapter. Then they went into King Hezekiah and reported. So he prayed this prayer and he sent them off. Don't be negligent now. Go fight. Go do what I've commanded you to do. Go get this right. Consecrate yourself. Consecrate the temple. Then they went into King Hezekiah 
and reported, we have purified the entire temple. Come on now, they didn't leave any part out. They didn't have any lapse in their understanding. They went for it and got the entire temple of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the table for setting out the consecrated bread with all its articles. We have prepared and consecrated all the articles that King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was king. See, they began by purifying themselves as the priest. That's what the Lord has been doing in us, purifying ourselves, and then we could begin to rightly purify the things that are around us. They started out the purification process by removing everything that was unclean. That makes sense, doesn't it? Where are you going to start? How are you going to start to get, to get this thing right? Well, you've got to remove everything that's unclean from your life. It took them till the eighth day to reach the portico. It took them over a week to get to the portico. What does that mean? How much junk was in that place? How much uncleanliness was there? They had to cleanse themselves and then begin the uh, arduous process of getting things out and taking it out to the Kidron Valley and getting it out of the tabernacle, the temple, and taking it out and going back and taking it out. It took them the eighth day with a lot of people just to get to the portico. It took them another day, another eight days to cleanse the entire temple. Sixteen days. How much work can you get done in 16 days? Working from sunup to sundown with a large group of people. See, they had prepared and consecrated all the articles. Did you catch the phrase? We prepared and consecrated all the articles that King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness. Not only did they have to get rid of the unclean things, they had to go and get the right kind of utensils and bring them back, consecrate them, and put them where they were supposed to be. See, what happens when we're unfaithful is not only that we add junk in there, we take the things that we're supposed to be operating in and we set those things aside. We hide them. We realize, ah, we really don't need that. We're going to do a little spring cleaning, except we're cleaning the things that God told them to be there. We have to get things back in order. And I'm talking about having things in order within us tonight. There were burnt off. uh, Let's look at verse 35. Same chapter, verse 35. There were burnt offerings in abundance. Somebody say abundance. Abundance. Together with the fat of the fellowship offerings and the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. Come on, what a good day. Do you hear the offerings that they're giving? Burnt offerings in abundance. Fat with the fellowship offerings, the drink offerings. Come on, somebody. These guys were understanding and they were like, you know what? It's been a lot of work. I mean, it's taken us like a whole 16 days to do this. But now, now we've got it clean. Now, 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 the, now we're clean and the temple's clean. See, what we can do now is we can start enjoying the fact that we are in a right relationship with the Lord. Joyful songs, joyful offerings, fellowship and drink offerings, not just for sin, but just because you want to give something to God because he's been so good to you. This is a this is a very generous church. But how about you? I'm not as much talking about finances at the moment as I am talking about the joyfulness in your heart when you give. Has it started to become a little bit of a drudgery to have sacrifices before the Lord? Or do you have the idea that, man, he's making us clean. 
He's chosen us. He's called us. I am so joyful to get to do this. I am so joyful to work in the back of the kids and change the 700th diaper during one single service. Amen. Hezekiah, verse 36, and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. Somebody say quickly. Sometimes we get discouraged because we have to keep fighting for the same thing over and over again. We get worn out in the battle. Can I tell you that when things get right, though, your life can change quickly. The victory that you've been hoping for can change quickly. See, it feels like it's never going to happen until it does. It feels like it's nothing's ever going to change. This is the way my life is always going to be until it changes. And then you can't hardly remember where you were before. Gabriel and Olivia are on the front row, excited, eager for 20, 23 days from now. See, there's, it's all right, Alicia, just, just catch your breath. It's all right. It's good. This is their division. See, everybody's in the right place. It's good. See, we, those of us who are married, you understand there's, a, there's the anticipation and then in a few months, they're, it's, I'm telling you guys, you're almost going to not remember what it's like to not be married. See, you, you can't even, I mean, you can intellectually remember that. You can go back there in your mind, but your heart can no longer go back. You're like, I don't even remember what it was like. I mean, I do, but I don't. I, I can't remember my life without Christy. Been married for 23 years, man. I have zero memories that don't include her. We've been together so long, even if she wasn't there, in my mind, she is now. <laughs> hey, babe, remember when we did that? She was like, that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, it was. You just don't remember. <laughs> my point is this, that things can change quickly. Look at chapter 30 and verse 1. Chapter 30 and verse 1. Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah. This is about to get good. Y'all got to stay with me. Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. See, they just finished the home renovation. They're like, y'all got to come because we're going to have a party. You remember that part where God brought us out by the divisions? See, now we've been, we're trying to get our divisions back right and we're working in our divisions. So we want all, we want everybody. Come on, everybody come join us. Everybody come check this out. Look at verse two. The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month. In the second month. They had not been able to celebrate it at the regular time. By the way, the regular time to celebrate Passover is not in the second month. It's in the first month. But what were they doing in the first month? They were consecrating everything. They were trying to get their lives back right, and it actually threw them off of the calendar. They weren't quite doing this rightly, but they were really excited. Anybody ever been so excited that you didn't quite do it right? Every day? (laughs) I'm excited. See, the Lord is helping us by teaching us how to march in our divisions. You know why? So you can be full of joy and do it right. 
so that you can please him and be and have the victories of heaven on your side. They did it in the second month. They had not been able to celebrate it at the regular time because not enough priests had consecrated themselves. Yikes. Why weren't the priests staying consecrated? Why weren't they walking in their divisions rightly? Why weren't they functioning in the very call that they were supposed to be operating in? See, there's a problem when priests don't keep themselves consecrated. Then the things that the Lord intends and He wants from us, it pushes it off for the whole group because the priests aren't consecrated. You've been here long enough that you know when I'm saying priest, I'm not talking about Pastor Matt and myself only. Of course it applies to us, but it also applies to you. Men in your own household consecrating yourselves so that you are ready to move and to do and to operate according to the division that God has put you in. Look at verse 4. The plan seemed right. Well, at least no one in this room has ever done a plan just because it seemed right. (coughs) The plan seemed right both to the king and the whole assembly. Well, everybody agreed, so it must be right. They decided to send a proclamation throughout Israel. Now, you know, they all thought it was right. So I'll tell you what, let's just, let's just put it online. Put a Facebook thingy, my bobber. Let's put an Instagram. Let's, let's just broadcast this bad boy. Because we all agree. Oh, amen. From Beersheba to Dan, calling the people to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. It had not been celebrated in large numbers according to what was written. Man, there's a plan that seems right. And it's because they hadn't gotten it right in a long time, so they got excited. I mean, we have messed this up for a long, long time. But now, we're going to have fun. We're going to have a Passover here. It's going to be great. Um, anybody ever forgotten a friend's phone number? See, I'm actually old enough to remember a time when I had to remember everybody's phone number that I wanted to call. Because I didn't just go, daughter, boop. Judah. Boop. See, there was at some point in there, there was a transition where now I know zero people's phone number. I literally had the entire Rolodex in my brain. If I wanted to call you, I was like, boop, 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 boop. now I'm going, if it something happened, your number's not in here. I have no idea who you are. Like, I can't contact you at all. I don't even know how to find that out. I'm like, Ugh. the problem is, is you don't know what you've forgotten until it's time for you to use it. See, the Lord is calling us upward tonight. You know why? Because there might be some things that you've forgotten, but you didn't know that you forgot it. But see, there's a battle coming forward. And I don't want you to be in the battle and remember that you're actually at war. See, I want to call you to a higher place tonight. So you don't know that you've forgotten or gotten away from the principles found in God's word until you come against the need to have it in full effect. Hey, I know we're supposed to do this in the first month, but, you know, second month is close and we're trying really hard. Let's look down at verse 15. Second Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 15. So they did it. They got everybody there. They slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the second month. It's supposed to be the 14th day of the first month. Hey, we're only 30 days off, right? 
the priests and the Levites were ashamed. I thought they were excited and broadcasted to everybody. Yes. And the people who were supposed to be reminded and know what was going on realized that because they were not consecrated, they couldn't rightly offer what they were supposed to offer to the Lord. They were ashamed and then consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings to the temple of the Lord. Hey, you know what? If you haven't done something right, there should be a conviction of the Lord that falls upon you. But they don't just stay ashamed and stay there. They were ashamed and were like, wow, the answer is not for me to stay ashamed, but for me to get right now so I can go and bring the offerings to the Lord. This is the attitude that we have to have. That what God is doing in you, you go, man, I messed that up. I'm going to confess that openly. And then I'm going to go get it right and move forward. They got it right. Look at 16. Then they took up their regular positions. Somebody say regular positions. The ones assigned to them because of their divisions from the heavens. As prescribed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Love it. The priests sprinkled the blood handed to them by the Levites. Since many in the crowd had not consecrated themselves, the Levites had to kill the Passover lambs for all those who were not ceremonially clean and could not consecrate their lambs to the Lord. Okay. I realize that we are not scholars of Hebrew tradition here. This is, (laughs) they're describing what's going on and there's a problem here. Since many in the crowd had not consecrated themselves. So now we got the people who are in the priesthood and they were ashamed, but they finally got it right. But see, there's a trickle down effect. There's a delay. Anybody ever tried to change something about yourself and it took a while for other people to notice? There was a delay. Like, you're trying to change this about you. You don't like that reputation that you had, so you're working on correcting it. And somebody says something to you, and you've actually tried for the first time, maybe ever. And you're really, you are working on that diet, and it's actually, like, you're actually gaining ground. And somebody's like, man, you gained weight? I used to work at a uh, denominational a school that was attached to a denomination, uh, denominational church. And there was something about all of the older men that uh, I got married and my wife treated me really well. And so they would let me know like weekly, oh, I gained some more weight, huh? Like, you guys are a real blessing. There's a delay when we start to work on something and where it's recognizable to everyone else. When those moments happen, what a lot of people do is they just quit. Because I'm actually trying now. Whoop to freaking do. Keep doing it. I, but, I, but you don't understand, Pastor. I mean, I really tried this time. Good, then keep going. You're actually marching in the rank and file. Fantastic. Keep doing that. And you know what will happen? Everyone will see it. Everyone will be able to watch your progress. They'll be able to see your life and your, and as you're watching your doctrine closely, they'll be able to see your progress. People will be able to see it. If you just don't quit, what a dumb thought to quit 
after you've actually been working at it. Now is not the time to be negligent. That's what the word just taught us. Huh? Maybe we're not recognizing you as the great man or woman of God that you think you are. Which is kind of funny. Because if you really were a great man or woman of God, you wouldn't care who saw it. You would actually just be doing it for the Lord and then the people would see it. See, we, just, we, we, we lose our place where God has us to be. There is a delay when the priests weren't right and they had to get right. There was a delay in their families getting right. There was a delay in the rest of the body getting right. Why? Because the leadership was not getting right. The longer it takes us men to get our stuff together, the longer our family is delayed in getting what they need together. See, but you can't keep letting your failures keep you from consecrating yourself now. Hey, I messed up. Well, then get it right. Get it right quickly. Move on and do exactly. Get in your regular position. (laughs) But I messed up. Fine, you messed up. Now get it right. Get consecrated. Get in your regular position so you don't keep messing up. I messed up, so I, I, I didn't do that very well, so I guess I'm not worthy to lead my wife. Yeah, so now you're going to mess up twice. And then when you mess up that second time, now you've messed up twice. Well, I, I guess I'm not worthy. Really? Come on now. We're seeing the right example here. It's because God has put us in the right divisions. So we can't be divided in our hearts. He's put us in the division. We keep moving forward in what he has put us in. Look at verse 18. Although most of the many people who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun had not purified themselves. Yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. Do you see how this is working out in concentric rings? The priests didn't get it right. So their family and their people didn't get it right. And then the people around them didn't get it right. You see, this is this is echoing out. And each person keeps coming up and kind of banging their head into the wall. The priests are like, oh, I'm ashamed. Okay, well, we need to get consecrated. Now let's stand and do what the Lord has called us to. Then the people were like, Ugh, we're ashamed. We're not doing this right. And so they had to work through the Levites, not just the priest. And now we've got people from coming around. And they're like, wow, we're not doing this right. But look what it says in the next verse. They, I'm sorry, let's go back to verse 18. Although many of the people who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover. And it was contrary to what was written. Somebody say contrary. Contrary. Huh. But they're well-meaning. But they're trying really, really hard. Oh, pastor, don't be too mad. Released. Trying. Amen. And see, what this is, is it's never allowed for us to not do it the way that the Lord has prescribed but he wants to help us to get it right. This whole story is, these, we're kind of getting it right, but we're not really doing everything right. But we're really trying, and so the Lord is going to help us to get there if we don't stop and wallow in what we just did. But Hezekiah prayed for them. He caught on, <laughs> realizing what was going on. May the Lord who is good. Whew. Come on, somebody say God is good. Yeah, that's not just what you should be teaching your kids how to pray over their dinner meal. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. His chesed is olam. It's forever. But Hezekiah prayed for them saying, may the Lord who is good 
pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking God. (laughs) The Lord, the God of his fathers, even if he is not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. Lord, would you help us because we really, really want to get this right. That is not an excuse not to do it right. It's an excuse to call out for God who is good to help you to do it right. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Wait a minute. Healed the people. Wait, where is the sickness in this? The sickness came because they weren't doing it the way that God instructed them to do it. They were eating in an unworthy manner the Passover meal. They were participating in an uncleansed kind of way about holy things. See, God is going to help them and he's going to heal them. But that is not the same thing as saying it's okay to keep doing it wrong. You're trying and you're like, man, this is different. There's something going on. There's something going on inside of you. And you got to realize that it takes the healing of the Lord to come in and help you. See, I didn't know they were sick at first. There's no verse that says, and they got sick because they ate. It's kind of just implied. Because they told you, yeah, they ate the Passover in an unpurified way, contrary to what was written. You have to expect that no matter your thoughts on your intentions, if you're not doing it the way the Lord prescribes, there's a sickness that's brought into your life. See, we're going to do it the way that the Lord prescribes for us. Turn to Hosea chapter 6 with me. Hosea chapter 6. I shared this with a friend the other day. Came right out of my own personal studies. Hosea 6.1. Say there when you're there. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. Why would the Lord tear someone to pieces? Because He's trying to get the sickness out of you. Why would He injure you? Because if you keep going on your way, you may die. It is a kindness for the Lord to add some adversity in your life. Do you understand that the pain receptors on your body are a gift from the Lord? It's actually a gift. If you do something and your pain receptors are telling you that it hurts, it's supposed to make you stop. Call me doctor. (laughs) It's supposed to make you stop because it hurts. See, it's actually a gift from the Lord when there's pain and difficulty in your life. There are some things that he's trying to get you to stop before it kills you. Wow. See, the Lord may tear you to pieces like he's tearing something out, tearing a sinful way out of your life, and it may really, really hurt. But he's going to heal you. See, once he's got the sickness out, once he's got the, the, the contaminant out of you, then you heal rightly. What happens if you leave the contaminant in? You could be polluted beyond measure. After two days, he will revive us. Somebody say revive. revive. On the third day, he will restore us. Amen. Come on, it may be time for some of us to come back to life. And then you can get fully restored in your position in what God has assigned for you. That we may live in his presence. It's not some 
sadistic game that he says that I'm going to tear you and then heal you. That I'm going to injure you and then bind up your wounds. I am trying to get you to a point where he can revive you. Where you can be restored. Where you can be and live in his presence. Look at the next verse. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. That word for press on there is a word that means you're going to hotly pursue it. You're going to go after it. Lord, we want to yada you. We want to intimately know you. We do know you and we want to know you. Look at that. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge the Lord. Well, which one is it? Yes. You both know the Lord and you must press on to hotly pursue him so that you know him more. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. There's a promise of victory before you get started. Like the sun that rises in the morning, he will come to you. There's a promise of victory before you start, but you have to start. There's a promise of victory before you engage in the battle, but you have to engage in the battle. This is the promise of shalom. Before you begin, he gives you the promise of victory. But you've got to actually begin and continue in it to see the victory. I will give you the promised land. Now go fight for it for seven years. I will give you shalom. Now you have to go fight for it. I will give you victory over your enemies. Now go fight them with a sword. This is exactly what God looks at when he's putting us into our divisions. Look at verse 6. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And acknowledgments of God rather than burnt offerings. His desire is for us to show mercy more than just making the sacrifice. But here he is not telling you not to make the sacrifice. He's telling you that the point of your sacrifice is that mercy may be given from you and be given to you from the heavens. The point of you making the sacrifice, of coming down to the altar, of crying out to the Lord, of consecrating yourself, is so that He can then give you mercy. The point of Him tearing you is so that He can come in and you will look up to Him and He will heal you and give you mercy. The point of where you are in the division is so that He can come in and give you mercy. The point of the sacrifice is that He desires It is God's desire. Did you hear that on Monday night? It was God's desire to bring about forgiveness. We saw that in David. In times where it looked like he shouldn't be as merciful as he was, we understood and we saw the heart of God that is to give mercy. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 26. Just another few minutes, and then we're going to have a chance to respond. 2 Chronicles chapter 30. And verse 26, there was great joy in Jerusalem for since the days of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. We're talking 250 years or so. The priest and the Levites stood to bless the people and God heard them. Did you hear all the mistakes that they were making along the way? And it says they stood and God heard them. That he was helping them. It was his desire to give them mercy. To teach them how to do the sacrifice. So that they could rightly receive his mercy. For their prayer reached heaven. Their prayers reached his holy dwelling. See they started with cleansing the temple. The place where God's presence dwells. And so he heard them from his holy heavenly dwelling. 
They began to move towards celebrating the prescribed feasts, even though they had difficulty in doing it the right way. Then they moved to cleansing themselves. Their difficulties made them cry out for mercy. It made the king cry out for mercy for his people. And it demonstrated that God's heart to provide mercy by correcting their sacrifices. Second Chronicles 31.2 Hezekiah assigned the priests and the Levites two divisions. Somebody say divisions. Each of them according to their duties as priests or Levites. To offer burnt offerings, fellowship offerings, to minister, to give thanks and sing praises at the gate of the Lord's dwelling. Here we are back at the divisions again. See, once you've been consecrated, you know what the Lord's going to do? Once you've learned how to give your sacrifices correctly, do you know what his purpose is? Is to bring you out just like he did at the beginning and put you in a division. To assign you a place, to let you walk in that place so that his victory may be won. After this point in the story, the provisions began to rain in. The people began to give freely and joyfully. As a matter of fact, they celebrated a double Passover at that point. They had seven days and they struggled to do it correctly, but God came in and heard them and they did another seven days. Wow. Well, if you're going to make a mistake, let's, let's do it because we're giving a double offering to the Lord. Let, let's goof because we're going so all out in joy that we're enjoying it. It began to rain in. They actually had to assign someone to organize the receiving, the collection of the grain and the wine and the oil and the honey and whatever else was brought in. They also assigned someone else to organize and the distribution of these things. See, when you're in right alignment, church, you are able to rightly receive and distribute what God has put within you. There's an overflowing provision to you and out from you. Let's turn to Second Chronicles 31, verse 16. Look at, down at verse 16. This, this hit me as uh, something very unusual as we get ready to close. In addition, they distributed to the males three, year old, three years old or more whose names were in the genealogical records. Three years old. I, I was like, well, maybe I didn't read that right. You're going to distribute something that has been coming into the tabernacle, to the temple rather, and you're going to distribute it to three-year-old males, the Nazbi, the Nazbi gets it wrong on this. Sorry, Pastor Zeke. I'm sorry, Rick. Nazbi gets this wrong. Nazbi tries to help and says that it's the 30 years old, those 30 years old or more, and then it has a footnote that says it's three. This is three-year-olds or more whose name are in the genealogical records. Um, let's look what it continues on to say. All who would enter the temple of the Lord to perform the daily duties of their various tasks according to their responsibilities. Um, Titus, could you come help me? We're going to try this. It may not work. If it doesn't, it's me. We're going to try it. It's okay. We'll give it a minute. <laughs> so what, what they did was they took a three-year-old. <laughs> Can you imagine bringing all the three-year-olds 
You did good. Hey, you're doing good. It's okay. See, what they did was they took the three-year-olds. Because if you look at a three-year-old where they are today, you see all kind of stuff that you may not like. They're cute as can be. But what this verse says is that all who would enter the temple of the Lord to perform the daily duties and their various tasks. See, Titus right now is nervous because I'm not his dad. I love him and he knows that I love him. But see, this one will one day be one entering the temple of the Lord, performing the daily duties and assigned. See, what God does is he starts giving provision to create a perpetual priesthood. See, because the priest of the fathers of these young ones had not consecrated themselves rightly. They had not walked around in what God had told them to do, and so everyone else in their community was behind in getting where they needed to go. But see, when you have a precious little one and you start giving him the same provisions as his father, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean this one gets the same as that one? Yep. Because we're not looking at this one as staying three years old. He's not going to be three years old forever. See, he's going to be preaching on this stage and stages around the world and Bible studies around the world his whole life. If I got Jonathan up here, who's also three, if I got, I wanted you to see. I wanted you to see. They distributed to the males three years old or more whose names were in the genealogical records all who would enter the temple of the Lord. They can't even do it yet. They're not even right for it yet. They're not even grown up enough yet. But they will. All who would enter the temple of the Lord to perform the daily duties of their various tasks according to their responsibilities and their divisions. Look at the next verse for me. And they distributed to the priests enrolled by their families in the genealogical records and likewise to the Levites 20 years old or more. Do you see the disparity there? Now we're talking about the 20-year-olds and more. Well, fantastic. But what they had, likewise, the Levites, 20 years old or more, according to their responsibilities and their division. See, the provision was given based on the division. They included all the little ones, the wives, the sons, and the daughters of the whole community listed in these genealogical records, for they were faithful in consecrating themselves. See, they learned their lesson, and then they moved it on to the entire family. I appreciate... No, actually, I don't. That's, that's a sarcastic comment. I do not appreciate how modern translations try to help you when it says sons, and it wants to tell you sons and daughters. Can I tell you that when the Lord is specifically saying that, He'll just put it in the text, plain as day? Yeah. Amen. See, when you start to consecrate yourselves, who is that for? That's for the, the fathers... And the mothers, the husbands, the wives, the sons, the daughters, and the whole community. In the NIV, it says the little ones. For they were faithful in consecrating themselves. See, these are the people that had no civil wars going on within their own own hearts about where they were placed. They were able to enjoy. See, there was no grumbling in their own tents. They knew that the God of the heavenly hosts, Yahweh, (laughs) Yahweh, Tzavaot, 
the, the Lord of the heavenly hosts is there and he's going for us. He's helping us and he's trying to mobilize us by putting us in the right spot, by putting us in the right division. See, he hasn't divided us. What he's done is he's unified us by putting us in the division. We just have to actually walk in it. Church, you got to be able to walk in what God has put you in. Not lamenting, not staying quiet as if you don't have a place. Oh, I've only got 10. I'm only a leader of 10. Grow up. It matters to that 10 that you do what you're supposed to do, that you consecrate yourself and you lead your little ones if it's necessary. It's just me and my little ones. Well, then lead them well because you're part of this division. You're part of what God is doing and he wants to use you. He is the Lord of the armies of heaven. He will bring us out of Egypt by our divisions. He will allow us to inherit what we're supposed to inherit by our divisions. He will call us and reassign us our divisions as we walk in consecration for him. Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 13. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Come on, if you're a priest and you failed to consecrate yourself, (laughs) you can only be ashamed of that so long. The point of your sacrifice needs to be to get you back to full mercy, to be able to get you back, to be able to do what God has for you to do. You can't sit in it. You've got to move from that, do exactly what the Lord is doing, and then get active on the, on the, on the battlefield. Stand up and take your place in this army that God has you in. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. Now is not the time to be negligent. Now is not the time to be distracted. Now is not the time to be in despair and discouraged. Now is the time to walk forward in what you're doing and what you've been called to do. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything you have a different attitude. God will reveal that also to you. Look at verse 16. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. In the NIV here, it says living up to that standard. That word keep living is the word stoichio, which is talking about marching in a military rank. Marching in a military division. You want to keep living up to something? It means that you got to get in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing. It means that you got to move forward. You can't decide. It's too hot today. I'm going to sit down right here. No, see, that has got some dividedness in your heart. That's something that is, that is calling about wavering between two opinions. We have got to eliminate this from our, our midst. We have got to eliminate this from our ranks, from our divisions here. Any other thought than gratitude that the Lord has placed you here. That you are hungry to learn the entire way of life. You're marching to the beat of a different master. You're marching out of step with what this entire body is trying to do as we march forward, as we get going, as we all move. All of us. All of us moving in exactly what He's called us to do. We've got to keep living by the same standard to which we've attained. 
We've got to stand up and march in file tonight. Stand to your feet with me. The idea that our three-year-olds, that our little ones, that are the husbands and wives and the children and the little ones, everybody has a place in this body and you must be operating in it. Done with low living. Done with low thinking. Done with you marching to the beat of your own master. I just think we're going too fast. I think we're going too far. Well, get in step with what's going on. Now is not the time to be negligent. Now is the time to rise up and to do what God has called you to do. You know what's ahead of us, church? A lot of fighting. A lot of battles. Battles for our family. Battles for our future. Battles in your finances, whatever it may be, there are a lot of battles ahead. You cannot be off by yourself. You can't be having your own thoughts and being out of step with the brothers around you. We need you. We each must walk in what God has for us to walk in. No more sitting back. No more resting on our heels. We've got to press forward into what God has called us to do. As we begin to pray, we've got to walk better in step with the Holy Spirit. We have got to walk better in rank and file. A civilian thinks about walking at their own pace. A military man understands that he must walk with the same gait, with the same style, with the same distance between each step, with the same decorum, with the same demeanor. He's got to walk exactly as his brother's next to him. This is what God is calling us to tonight. If you thought that you could walk in a different way and it'd be okay because we're, we're, we're family. Yes, we are family, but we are also called out by our divisions. We are called to take the promised land by our divisions. We operate as priests by our divisions. We have to get this right tonight. You heard it during the first worship. God was calling in a militant fashion to us. Don't be negligent. If you're ashamed of yourself, well then get consecrated and move to your regular position within the divisions tonight. Let's pray. Mighty God, help us tonight to raise our hearts, to stand with what you are calling us to do, Lord, not in the divisions of this world, but in the divisions that have been called by the heavens. Arm your people tonight, Lord. Put us in the right place, Lord, that we might not question it, but that we might march in step in perfect rhythm, in perfect form to what you've called us to. There are enemies, there are battles that are ahead, God, and we must be rightly positioned so that we won't be harmed and our brothers won't be harmed. Lord, with our little ones, with our three-year-olds and up, Lord, with our sons and our daughters, the husbands and the wives, Lord, all of the children, Lord, everyone here, we must march in our place. We must march in our place. Get our minds off of civilian affairs, Lord, and let us only be interested in pleasing our heavenly commander. It is your right to assign us where we are. It is your right to tell us what we must do. Lord, fix our hearts now that we might march in step 
with what you have called and proclaimed. 